0: So this series, we've been talking about things that that haunt us um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It might get in the way of us living the life God wants for us. Things that get in the way that distract us. Right? Um, we've built up. We start with anger. Um, you know, and how that can can really uh, cause a divide between us and God. Uh, we, we talked about perfectionism and that. Um, that God doesn't need us to be perfect. Uh, that, that's kind of a misconception that, that we don't have to be perfect to come to God. In fact, we're not going to be. It's impossible, and it, it just kind of leads us to fail when, when we strive for that. Um, we talked about hurry, that this world is going a million miles an hour, um, and that's not what God intended. And then um, an anxiety, uh, worry can can really bog us down, and we lose sight of the things that we actually are in control of, which are very few, um, and and try to control more. Um, so, and what's cool is like there's been this buildup that you know we, we t- when we talked about perfectionism, we talked about you know wanting everything to be perfect and wanting to get everything just right. And I, I'm I'm a creature of efficiency. I want I want to do everything in the right order, even when I'm going from one room to another in my house. I'm like, oh, what can I carry from this room to the other, so I don't have to make more trips. Um, it, it's it's absurd, but uh, everything has to be done as efficient as possible, and then and then it leads you to being. In a hurry all the time because you're like I need to get as much done as possible to have the most full life. Um, and when when you're thinking about I need to have everything perfect and I need to have everything fast, there comes the anxiety, right? That 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 builds into this this worry and and this stress because not everything is going as you want it to go and according to plan. And, and when we get that anxiety, eventually it leads to burnout. Um, it can lead to this depression. It can lead to negative thoughts about ourselves. Um, and feelings of inadequacy. So it's been a really good flow. We nailed the sequence. Perfect. Um, because now we're at the end point here. So I, I, I saw that I was going to be talking about depression, and I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. I have no qualifications to talk about that. I, I think it's a pretty difficult topic to touch on. I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way. Um, in, in some ways, I feel like we use the term depression too much, too um, for instance, the revs lose a game, and I say oh, I'm depressed, uh, and that's crap. Uh, I'm not. I'm sad, um, but it feels very painful. Um, or uh, in other ways, I feel like we don't we don't use the word depression, and not sometimes we don't recognize it in ourselves. Um, I, I, there are a bunch of Saturdays in particular where, where I feel like for some reason, if my schedule is empty, I get really um, bogged down and just kind of bleh about myself because I lose sight of what I what it is I really want. And at the end of the day, my wife has to say, "I think you're depressed," and she says, "Take some vitamin D," and and that's probably a good advice. But but those are moments I don't even see it myself that I, I just get I get these feelings of like a lot that I'm lost a little bit, um, and I feel like that is a bit of depression. Um, but I'm not a doctor or a counselor or a therapist, and and I feel like I'd have to be one to really know um, what I'm talking about. So. We'll do our best, Uh, and I know there are likely people here who have lost someone who they love because of depression. And so it's it's a it's a it's murky waters. I don't want to go somewhere where I have no real understanding, Uh, but we do feel like mental health is tough, um, and it needs to be talked about. And and the more we ignore it and don't bring it up, the worse it's going to be. And the causes can be tricky too. Uh, It can be chemical. It can be circumstantial. It can be relational. It can be spiritual. I think that that um, it, may, it, may, uh, it may feel like uh, life isn't worth living is something that, that often can come up, um, and that that's a dangerous spot to be in. Uh, it can, and it can really speak to our loss of um, our purpose, not, not understanding where our purpose is. There can be a, lo- a lack of understanding of our identity and our place in the world. Um, plenty of people have also begun to see it as a sign of weakness, um, but it's something we all struggle with at some point or another. Uh, it's one of those things where the more it's talked about, the more we can take away stigma and the more people can receive the help they need. So we're going to talk about it and, and see where it takes us. Um, I believe God has some good things to say um, for helping us through it. Um, but I, I do want to get, don't want to give the impression that there's not something that's going to happen to Christians because it absolutely is. It's that we have God to go with it. Um, but first off, a, a definition almost, of um, what depression is. The Mayo Clinic says, depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. Also called major depressive disorder or clinical depression, it affects how you feel, think, and behave and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day activities and sometimes you may feel as if life isn't worth living. I also reached out to... uh, Someone who goes here. Um, Connor Graham. Uh, he's on our safety team. Um, he's actually an intern at the Well right now, which awesome counseling center, and and they do a lot around physical, mental, and spiritual health. Um, but but he's he's interning there and, and uh, has been studying a lot about um, mental health and things like that. So I reached out to him to make sure I was I was in, in these right areas. And and one of the things he um, keyed in on was that he described depressive disorders as leading to clinically significant areas of impairment. In a variety of areas of functioning, I like that, areas of functioning, including social, relational, and occupational, when, when someone's depressed, it's not just in their head, it's going to start affecting how they function day to day, and that, that's, that's a problem. I mean, obviously, in your head is a problem, too, but as it, as it starts to come out, it can really affect how you live your life, and that it it will um, it'll take us away from the lives God has intended us to use, or intended to use for great things. Uh, it becomes harder and harder to see God's love and turn, and in turn, be able to show others uh, His love in the dark, in this dark place. So, what does God have to say about depression? The first thing I want to, um, first point I want to land is that you are not alone. If you are depressed, if you're if you're feeling down, if you're having negative thoughts about yourself, you are not alone. Uh, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, seventeen point three million American adults. I had to get a stat. Um, are affected by a major depressive disorder. 17.3 million adults, so that's 7% of the U.S. population, so a little bit more than 1 in 20 um, have, uh, are suffering uh, from a depressive disorder. 1.9 million children uh, have diagnosed depression. That's crazy. Uh, 2 million kids, and I guess that number has been on the rise as well. Um, and we can't know for sure which people in the Bible uh, have depression, or had depression, but a bunch of them genuinely had some symptoms. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to look at like three different people here quick. So uh, I can't really steer you one passage today. We're going to be bouncing around. You can do your best to keep up if you want. Um, I'm going to start off in Job here, Job chapter 7. Um, and Job, he, uh, if you don't know his story, he was a guy that God was so proud of. He was telling Satan about um, how awesome Job was and how, much, uh, how, how God-fearing Job was and how much faith Job had. And, and the awesome life he was living. And Satan looked down and said, well, yeah, he's got tons of stuff, and he's got a cool family, and he's got great health. Why wouldn't he love you, God? And, and so he says, what if I messed with all that? Um, and God says, go ahead. I trust my guy." So uh, Job was rocked by some stuff. He had all of his stuff taken away. His family was taken away. They were killed. Um, and he ended up with boils all over his body and was in pain all day. Um, and so... Uh, I think that would drive anyone to not a pleasant place, but Job in particular in chapter seven says, my days fly faster than a weaver's shuttle. They end without hope. I think that's that's the hard line for me right there. They end without hope. To have your days ending without hope is a brutal place to be in, to, to not think that tomorrow offers something better. Um, and he says, oh God, remember that my life is but a breath and I will never again feel happiness. Um so that's a pretty dark place for Job to be in. Again, feel like it was pretty justified. <laughs> Not that it matters, but he that that sounds a lot to me like what I think of when I think of depression. Uh, we talked about Elijah in our wilderness series. Um, Dan spoke about him and talked about how he had uh called down fire from God, that he he had asked God to prove himself to the people of Israel, that they they were following Baal, this other God that wasn't real, and they they had um started to pursue that, and, and he had invited all these priests of Baal to try and get their god to light an offering on fire, and they couldn't do it, and Elijah had said, God, show up, and he lit up the offering with fire, and And you'd think, yes, well, all these people will clearly be convinced now, and unfortunately, somehow they weren't, um, and this led Elijah to just be like, what am I doing with my life, um, and he walked away uh, from that scenario, and in, in, in 1 Kings 19.4, it says this, Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then there's King David. Uh, He wrote a billion psalms, um, and and a bunch of them are where he's despairing, that he doesn't see God. And um, in Psalm 42 uh, he says, "As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, "Where is this God of yours?" My heart is breaking, and as I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshippers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And so the reason why I bring this up, it's, it's pretty cool that he's remembering these times when he was so happy and he was leading the people into the church, leading these worshipers in this joyous celebration. And he's like, why am I here? Why am I at this place where I'm so discouraged? Uh, and and the reason why I point these, these three people out is to, to let you know that, um, an expectation that Christians will never be depressed, or will never be down, or will never be defeated uh, in in their lives, and, and defeated I use as a loose term, not permanently, but but that we won't ever feel defeated. I guess is my point. Uh, is incorrect. Um, that 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 it's going to happen. That we're going to have these moments where we're down. Uh, Lifeway, I had a message online that says, uh, "What adds to the burden of the depressed and despondent is the common and misguided notion that good Christians don't get depressed." any hint of depression around the church and cliches start to surface. You just need to have more faith. Or remember, rejoice in the Lord always. Or sometimes it comes off as a pep talk. Come on, get up and get moving. Stop the pity party and pull yourself together. What will people think of God if they see you like this? That last one in particular bugs the heck out of me. I think there's this, this idea that Christians are these perfect people. Um, and, and then in some ways that leads us to try and be perfect, which is that whole perfectionism message that we feel like there's an expectation on us for that to be the case. And I am constantly ready to say, Christians are going to screw up. Christians are going to get depressed. Christians are going to be normal people, but with a hope that other people don't necessarily have. That's what separates us, right? So this idea that that what will people think of us if they see us depressed? It's not, it's not the depression that they'll see, hopefully. It's the hope that we have in that moment of depression, right? Um, Say it, these things are Satan working his magic in our lives, right? He he's going to come for us if if, if we are Christians. He's even more of the targets. He's the one. We're the ones he's going to come for, and he's going to challenge. So it's almost a more realistic expectation that we will ha- deal with these mental struggles. Um, and, and my point here is that some pretty legit people, David, Elijah, Job, um, dealt with these things. It's okay. So if if you're at all beating yourself up about Feeling this way, like you don't have enough faith or anything like that, I want you to know that it's okay. And the second part is is that it's not the end of God's story for you. Um, depression isn't the end; it's a it's an emotion. It's it, it or emotions probably taking it too lightly. It but it's a period, right? It's it's not the end of your story. It's a phase, if you will. Um, note that all three of these people that we talked about had quite the stories after these moments. Elijah. Um, was carried away by God. He did not die. God loved him so much; He just took him up, and and he did not die. He was swept away on a chariot um, into the sky, and he was taken away forever. Um, David was Israel's most famous and his most and their most successful king, um, and yet he was dealing with this stuff. Uh, Job was given new riches and new family by God, and 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 obviously his health restored as well. Everything was was. He received all these blessings afterwards as he, as he hung uh, with his faith. Um, and so where you are at right now is absolutely valid, but it's not permanent. Um, God has given us emotions and feelings. Uh, they're part of being humans. However, the more we can solidify our faith, the easier it will be to cling to in times of struggle. The more we can solidify our faith, the easier it will be to cling to in times of trouble. Faith and struggle are separate, though. As, as Christians, we'll still struggle just like anyone else. That's the point I'm getting across. That we believe, but we believe we have someone helping us through. We believe in a hope that others do not have. I was reading Hebrews this morning from, from my daily reading, and uh, he is, I think it's chapter five. He was talking about uh, God offering us a rest. Um, and in times that we're weary and we're overwhelmed, I feel like that just sounds amazing. That that's, that's the offer God has for us. He has this rest at the end of it. And, and life can feel like such a struggle sometimes. And to read that, that we have a rest coming for us is is very encouraging. And I think that's the thing. We know that we might be bogged down in this life, but as Christians, we know that there is something at the end that we are hopeful for. Um, so uh, more faith doesn't mean we'll never be depressed. As I said before, more more tying ourselves to God may actually be... Uh, inviting uh, Satan to come at us. Um, in Psalm 43, 5, uh, this is actually the psalm after the one I read before. So David wrote that other psalm talking about leading people in worship and that, and then he ended with, why am I so depressed? Why am I so downtrodden? I'm gonna trust God. Psalm 43, David says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. If that sounds familiar, it's because it's the exact same Quote, it's in the next Psalm. So David was clearly going through the same thing, but at the same time, in both of these chapters, is repeated sadness, is sorrow, he knew what to cling to, that he knew he could cling to what was true. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So we need to protect our heart so that the truth you've written there cannot be erased. Right, We need to have things locked into our heart so that whatever moods may come, whatever emotions may come, whatever feelings may come, they do not change what we know to be true. That's, that's where it separates. We're going to struggle. We're going to have these hard times. It doesn't change what's true and what we believe. So uh, get right into the application part because it's kind of lengthy here. But we, what, what can we do about it? Um, the first thing is we can talk to people. Once you know that there are plenty of other people dealing with uh, these these, uh, these struggles, um, hopefully you can be more confident that it's okay to share what you're going through. Um, I'm a pretty vulnerable person. This doesn't come difficult for me. So it's, it's easy for me to say, just talk to people. I understand that's difficult, especially when you're in a, a crummy place. If, if you're feeling depressed, you're not in a mood where you want to go talk to people. So this is hard. But what I can say is if you're not depressed right now, it's a great time to start talking to people um, that that's the time to build in this rhythm. If you if you start really investing in some friendships and start trying to take that next level of depth, then when things come along, they'll notice that it's different about you. If you can't open up, if you can't if 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 uh, anything seems off, they'll be more likely to see it. So I encourage you to start building these connections. At Grace Church, we call these things growth groups. Um, I've had I think three. Um, different ones in my time here. And, and really what it is, is just finding one or two friends to invest in on a regular basis. So, um, and have invest in you, but, uh, we, we have resources for you as well. We can, we could talk at the connection center if you want, but really it's, it's arranging to meet with them once, once or twice a month, whatever schedule you want. Um, and and just go through what's going on in each other's lives to pray for each other, to say, what are you struggling with? What are you working towards? What's on your mind and, and really try and connect and, and grow together. Um, it's not, uh, one, it's not a mentor mentee relationship. It's more of a, on the same level, but you're just kind of sharing with each other and sharing your lives. And I encourage you, if you aren't doing that already, please do so. Because again, if you build that rhythm in, when things get tough, it's already there. It's harder to do once it gets tough. Um, the next thing is to notice people. Uh, if you're on the other side, if you're, if you're not depressed or, or even if you are, if you, if you, if you, have your eyes open. Um start trying to look for people and, and start trying to really gauge where they're at. Um no matter how I so I have we have a three-year-old, uh Charlie. Uh no matter how I ask her how her day was, if I say, How was your day today, Charlie? The answer is always good. Um, I could say, How's your dinner? Good. Um, there's there's no variety of answers. It's amazing. Uh and uh, I'm not really sure why this she'll say good, she won't eat the dinner, but um, <laughs> But what, it, what I do know, though, is that if I ask her follow-up questions, she will answer them. I'll say, who, you, who did you play with today? She'll answer. If I, what did you have for lunch? She will answer. She, she has these answers. It's just that it's so easy for us to just say good and move on, right? Learn some different questions. Ask people different questions. Don't just say, how are you? Don't say, what's up? Like, get some depth there. Don't be willing to accept good as an answer, it might be good. That's fine. But dig a little deeper knowing that that can be a very surface level answer. We have to genuinely care in people and invest in them to know, to, to offer them that knowledge that we do care. Um, a couple ideas I have is, you know, what's on your mind these days? Um, what what? How can I be praying for you? Um, I feel like everyone can always come up with something uh, to be praying for. If they say, I don't know, put, dig deeper. There's always something that, that's on their mind that you can sh- they can share. Um, what have you been spending your time on lately? Just think of other questions to have ready um, that they can't just answer with one word, right? Um, so that we can genuinely start caring for people by knowing what's going on with them. Uh, another thing that Connor wrote for me uh, was uh, the impairment in the different areas of functioning was uh, sorry impairment in the different areas of functioning caused by depression can often be so mild that no one else who interacts with the person would ever know. Uh, and that's a problem, right? That's that's why depression is so sneaky because a lot of times you don't even know that that's the case. You don't know what people are struggling with, and so that's why we have to ask these questions. We have to try and pull it out of people um, to make sure it's not something that's taking them away from their relationship with God. Um, when I'm down, I definitely know that I'll be hiding it. Uh, I am a big fan of watching to see if anyone will notice if I'm upset. It's funny because I like get upset and get angry if they don't notice, but then I'll also be bothered if they do. And be like, no, no, no I'm fine. Um, but but I do know it's self it's sabotage. It's, it's pretty normal, right? It's brutal, but uh, and it gets in the way of any anyone helping us. But the fact is, the more we ask people these questions, the less they can be afforded that opportunity. Um, and here's the big application I have: it, it's locking in God's truths. Lock in God's truths. It makes me think of this sound. Hopefully. Hmm. Yep, yep, yep. That's good. Okay. Uh, let me tell you that there was when I lived in California. I remember there was a Nutri-Grain bars commercial that had that sound in it, and it drove me ballistic. I have not eaten a Nutri-Grain bar in over ten years because of that commercial. I've sworn off them. They are mean people. Uh, that sound is hideous. That is my alarm sound, right? Like that's uh, most people's alarm sound. It is an awful sound. If that doesn't trigger something in inside of you, I'd, you're not human. Uh, it's a terrible noise. Uh, and, and the reason why locking in truths makes me think of that sound, I have a real problem with snooze buttons. I think that's ridiculous that we have snooze buttons. When we set an alarm the night before, we do it knowing full well when we need to get up, right? Like, you make a very intelligent decision. I'm going to need this much time. And I'm going to need to eat breakfast. I'm going to need to read my Bible. Like, these are the, you plan it out. You say, this is the time I need. And then the alarm goes off, and you make a new decision. Who when they're hearing that noise can make a logical sound decision, right? Like you are in ha- you're half asleep still, this thing's driving you nuts and you say no, no no nine more minutes. Like that is an atrocious decision. Yet we we allow ourselves to do it every morning. Whoever invented that button has destroyed humanity. It's unbelievable. Um and so I think of walking in truths for this reason of we need to know what we believe so that in the moment we're not taken away from that when the alarm clocks are going off, we don't try and change what we believe. We don't try and change what we already know to be true. Um, how can we trust ourselves to make good decisions about what is real, what we believe, in moments where we're not ourselves? In Job chapter 19, verse 25. This is Job still, the same guy we were talking about earlier, did everything fall apart? And this is still when he's dealing with it. He says, but as for me... I know that my redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. So, amidst all the crap he's going through, Job is still very ready to say he knows that his redeemer lives. This hasn't changed; his truth is still fully intact. Amidst all the muck of Job is in, all as he thinks about all that's happening to him, as he wonders what God is up to, he knows that his redeemer lives, and at the end, that God wins. Feel what you feel but know what you know. It's totally okay to feel what you feel, to, to go through what you're going through. That is fine. But at the same time, we need to know the things we know. Um, a common theme of the series uh, that we've had so far is that it's okay to be honest with God too. And this is leaning into the feelings part, feel what you feel. Uh, Hebrews 5, 7 says, when, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Um, There's a balance here, but when when we go and pray to God, it is fully okay. You have full license to be real and authentic and honest. There's no need to filter anything. God already knows what's going on inside of you. There's no point in putting up a wall, but if you've never been told it's okay to be angry with God, it's never okay to ask God why, like, sorry, if you've been told, (laughs) haven't been told, it's okay to ask God why, um, to express sadness, I'm, telling you that is fully fine and he expects it he can take it um, we need to be honest with God the balance comes that we need to also know who God is have this reverence for God and understand that he's in control and that, that's the balance of knowing what we know we ask God these questions why is this happening to me God why am I why am I in this dark place because I know, God, that you love me. Because I know who you are. I know that you've sent your son for me. I know that we've got this hope. There's this rest coming. Why am I here? It's taking these two things in balance. Um, and, and you saw that in the two Psalms David had. He said, I, Why do I feel this way? But still, I will praise God. Um, and this, this leads me to a popular Tim tactic, which is to create milestones. I've, you've probably heard me say this before. I've probably said it multiple messages before create milestones. Um, what I mean by that is what are the moments in your life where you felt sure of something, where you felt sure of who God is or, or who you are inside of God? Those moments you need to lock in. Um, that could be journaling them. It could be telling someone else about them. It could be taking a picture that represents them and then having this album of these pictures that remind you. But you need a way to lock in the moments where you are so sure. I know. I know the moment... That that I accepted Jesus, like I I know what was so clear in that moment, um, when I was in camp in in summer camp in in like, I think it was between sixth and seventh grades, um, and just being in this this sanctuary with all these people worshiping, singing, and just being overwhelmed by God's presence in that moment, and knowing so clearly that He was real. And I can go back to that moment and I can feel that again. In the moments where I'm doubting and where I'm, where I'm worried about where I'm at, I can remember that God is real because of that moment. And that hasn't changed. If God was real in that moment, he's still real now. He hasn't gone away, right? So if we have these moments that we can memorialize, that we can we can remember, in times of struggle, we can fall back on those. So do something so that in moments of doubt, you can remember that you were so sure. Also, I'll memorize scripture. Um, defeat Defeat these, uh, these negative thoughts with true ones. Um, in Romans 8, uh, verses 35 and 37, 36 is like parentheses. I'm not cutting it out because it doesn't suit what I want, but it's just not, doesn't have anything to do with it. But um, 35 and 37, uh, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Who loved us? I think even if you just memorize verse thirty-seven, knowing what thirty-five was all about, say no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If you had that memorized, and when a negative thought comes into your mind, when you're in these moments of of doubt or or, or depression or or sadness or whatever, you can say no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If you can remember that God loves you through this verse, I think that's a big game changer. My personal favorite verse, which I feel like I had to drop in my last message, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. To know where your identity is, to know who God thinks you are, so that when you start to not feel like you have much value, to know that God sees you as this, Massive, right? I think if we can lock in some verse that you think reminds you of who you are to God and, and who you are called to be, so that when you lose sight of your purpose, when you start feeling wayward, you can have that to fall back on. It's immense. Um, one more thing, one more recommendation in this area is uh, something someone was talking about called the napkin exercise. If you're starting to struggle Grab a napkin, grab a piece of paper that's around, and just start writing down things you're grateful for. Start trying to turn your mind into a positive direction. What has God done for you? What is he doing? What do you see him doing right now? Uh, what are you grateful for? Um, if you can come up with three things there, start the motor turning in a different direction and trust what's real over what you feel. Um, God had no problem reminding Job of all the things he's done. At the very end of the book, God just goes off and says, uh, you know, who, who are you, man? I can, I can control the weather. I can control Leviathan. Uh, and God's like, look at all these awesome things I've done. And that, and that's the way he brings Job back to be like, you can trust me. I'm in control. And so to have, to start framing your mind into, okay, these are the things that God is doing. These are the things I can see him working in. Oh yeah. I should probably be able to trust him overall because of this. Um, and this leads me to the verse for the series as well. 2 Corinthians ten five says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We change it. We start the motion in the other direction, the motor in the other direction. We do not settle for these negative thoughts. We defeat them. My last piece of advice is get help. If, if, if it is okay to ex- admit that something is not something you can handle, right? It's okay to seek help. Um, there are plenty of depressions that are beyond the, co- beyond the scope of just talking it out with a friend. I don't want to minimize it. It's not, I'm not saying that talking with someone will fix it. I'm saying it's a good first step, but it may not be enough. Um, sometimes medications needed. Sometimes a licensed counselor, please do not settle. And do not think you you're just doomed to lose it. Um, please seek the, car, the help you need being humble enough to get the help you need. Uh, depression sucks um, so uh, but God can take you where you are and bring you out to the other side. God wants you your life to bring him glory. I think we can we can be very sure of that that God wants to use your life to bring him glory and you being stuck in the muck. For forever doesn't do that. And that's why we can have confidence it's not going to be forever because it brings God no glory. Jesus's death wasn't the end of his story. Our God is a God of victory and he has no desire to see you lose your battles. Our God is a God of victory and he has no desire to see you lose your battles. If If you're not a Christian, if you don't have this relationship with God, I imagine it's much harder to find your purpose in these moments I think for a lot of people, they start feeling like God wouldn't want them. Um, I'm here to tell you that what you are experiencing is not at all what God wants for you. Um, he wants to break through the barrier that's separating you from the life he's intended for you. Jesus died to show us how much God loves us, that he loves us. And In these moments of depression, when you feel like you aren't loved, God loves you. And he did it in a moment where we were so unlovable (laughs) that Jesus died when we're shouting to kill him. And he loved us in those moments and he gave his life in those moments. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Our stories are made more magnificent because of the lows we have risen from. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your love. We understand, God, that the world is not a perfect place, that we've broken it in quite a number of ways, and that we can feel separated from you because we we are down here a bit, God. Um, we can feel really distant from you. We can feel like we can't see where you are. Um, we can feel burdened. We can feel worn out. Um, but that doesn't change that you're real. It doesn't change all the things you've done for us. It doesn't change how we got to where we are, God, that that you've brought us from lows before, and you'll do it again. It doesn't change that you've given your son for us, um, and you'd do it again. Um, You love us, God. Help us to to lock that in our hearts, to know that that's true, and to never let us lose sight of that. Um, Protect us, God. Give us reminders every day of who you are and how much you're showing up for us and these moments uh, where we're feeling down and where we're feeling depressed, God, help us to know that they're moments and then light of eternity, uh, they, won't, they won't get us down. Help us to seek the help we need. Help us to see the people around us uh, and, and to have a watchful eye for people that might be struggling, but also be willing to open ourselves up to the people around us, God. Uh, take down barriers, help us to know that this is a real acceptable thing and it's okay for us to struggle. God, we love you. Thank you so much for all you've done for us and will continue to do. And uh, help us to not be haunted by these things, but to defeat them and move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.